Well, hello and welcome to this year's first CSF monthly podcast for January 2021. Happy New Year to you. Um, this is a podcast that aims to keep you vigilant with the latest in the field of rheumatology at a time when, of course, we continue to be so concerned about the COVID pandemic crisis. And of course, as ever, I want to send you my very best wishes for you and for your loved ones as we uh, traverse, hopefully, the beginning of the final chapter of this pandemic. We shall see. Well, today I'm going to review two very interesting papers, the first of which was written by Peter Nash and colleagues, which is looking at consensus, highlighting points to consider for the treatment of immune-mediated inflammatory diseases with JAK inhibitors. And just as a potential conflict of interest, I'm also a signatory to that paper. And um, the second manuscript uh, comes from Dimitrios Papas, compared with the effectiveness of first-line TNF versus non-TNF inhibitors in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. Now, as always, if you want to look at detailed summary slides of the papers discussed today, visit cytokinesignaling.com. It's a great resource. You'll find slides, summaries, and a whole lot of useful insight that I hope you will, um, you'll, you'll, you'll take forward into your practice. Well, let's turn to the first paper. This, as I say, comes from Peter Nash and colleagues. It uh, summarizes the current understanding of JAK inhibitor use based on a systematic literature review on efficacy and safety. Well, the background here, well, self-evidently, JAK inhibitors are approved in a variety of immune-mediated inflammatory diseases. And with five inhibitors now licensed, there, we felt was a need to summarize the current understanding based on a systematic literature review. The consensus was developed by 15 steering committee members and an expanded task force to give proper representation. Uh, the committee included patients as well as experts in rheumatology, gastroenterology, hematology, dermatology, and infectious diseases. Uh, the committee adopted the ULR standard operating procedures for the development of recommendations and an SLR collected data from controlled and open clinical trials, registries, and meta-analyses. New approvals and warnings from regulators issued after the end of the literature review search date were also considered. It's a little unusual, but we felt that that was really important to be topical. Now, there were general principles. The, the, the task force agreed on four general principles. These were that the initiation of JAK inhibitors and the treatment target should be based on shared decision with the patient, uh, that therapeutic approaches to chronic inflammatory conditions should be in line with international and national recommendations. Thirdly, the points to consider attempt to assist the clinician once the decision to prescribe JAK inhibitors has been made. That is, we're, we're not trying to tell you use a JAK inhibitor, it's once that decision has been made, this is the, the, the set of thoughts that should be in your mind as you are then going ahead with that clinical practice. And these points address specific aspects of JAK inhibitors. Clinicians should additionally refer to disease-specific product information. So they're not there to replace the, the standard recommendations. Now, uh, there are actually 26 points to consider. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to go through all of them in detail. I refer you to the article. Um, but they, they, they include the following in terms of indications. Um, there are uh, JAK inhibitors that are now going to be used in rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ulcerative colitis, but should also probably now include atopic dermatitis. Um, there are consensus outlines that talk about dosage and co-medications and dose adjustments in specific populations and disease states. Um, I, remember that with small molecules, as opposed to biologics, I suppose at one level, we've got to go back to the old pharmacology, thinking about drug-drug interactions, uh, uh, drug metabolism interactions and the likes. Uh, we've also 
talked about contraindications. The, these uh, points consider, think mainly about the important contraindications around infection, pregnancy, and a range of others that are important for us to consider when prescribing these drugs. Um, we talked a bit about pre-treatment screening and risks, and um, this highlights the kind of actions that you should consider. And of course, also includes importantly vaccinations, very topical at the moment. There's a section dealing with adverse events, mainly related to the inhibition of cellular pathways consequent upon giving a JAK inhibitor. Uh, and these are, of course, very important. We need to think especially about the risk of VTE and infection, as well as uh, reduced blood cell counts and elevations, for example, in CPK. And finally, there is a section devoted and um, related to that in lab and clinical follow-up uh, in terms of what it is we should be thinking about in terms of monitoring and the like. So concluding, well, it's a consensus document. It, I think, provides a useful guide and things to consider using JAK inhibitors. It's an enormous literature that's been brought together into one reasonably digestible format. And I think if you want one place to go just to guide your practice at the moment, that's probably the article to reach for. Um, it's a really important guide and at CSF we've developed a wall chart which you can download free on the CSF website that captures all of the key elements of this consensus. Now, I commend that to you. It's a terrific ed memoir. It's the kind of thing you could stick in the, in the clinic wall just to guide your, your, your junior fellows just when they're, they're thinking about the use of these medicines. Well, the second paper I want to turn to comes from Dimitris Papas and colleagues and compared the effectiveness of a TNF inhibitor versus a non-TNF inhibitor, could be a biologic targeted synthetic DMARD as the first line treatment following conventional synthetic DMARDs, as well as potential modifiers of response. Well, the background here uh, it was that the ACR guidelines for the treatment of RA recommend a treat to target approach guided by disease stage and treatment history. And although comparisons based on TNF versus non-TNF inhibitor agents in head-to-head -head randomized controlled trials, um, the optimal sequence of different treatment modalities following conventional synthetic DMARs has not really been fully established. Um, there are data from the Corona RA registry, which is uh, the largest disease-based registry in the United States. And those data have been used to evaluate comparative effectiveness of TNF inhibitors versus non-TNF inhibitors uh, as first-line treatment following conventional synthetic DMARD failure. The results um, from this analysis were captured one year post-initiation of the TNF or non-TNF inhibitor. And at 12 months, a variety of outcomes were considered. Uh, they include CDI, 28 joint modified disease activity score, patient reported outcomes, and rates of anemia. Well, what were the key findings? Uh, well, there were no statistical differences between either a TNF inhibitor or a non-TNF inhibitor treatment group for binary outcomes, including achievement of LDA and remission. Uh, same results were observed for problems with sleep and anxiety. There were also no significant changes in CDI, HACDI, EQ5D, morning stiffness fatigue over the 12-month initiation period, looking at the two different approaches. While the raw proportion with anemia was not different pre and post matching, TFN inhibitors, TNF inhibitors initiated, um, seems to have a, a lower crude incidence compared with non-TNF inhibitors. And for continuous variables, there were no differences observed between TNF inhibitors and non-TNF inhibitors starting treatment groups. So, well, how do we uh, conclude from this? Well, there, there are similar improvements in outcomes after one year of treatment, really regardless of whether patients initiate a TNF or non-TNF mode of action. Uh, this is real world data, comparative 
evidence reveals only limited differences in baseline characteristics and clinical outcomes between RA patients initiating treatment with TNF versus non-TNF inhibitors. Remember, these were in patients who'd previously had a conventional synthetic DMAR failure. And they tend to support the RA guidelines and recommendations, which suggest that individualized care-based decisions should be made. Clinical judgment is still very much a part of rheumatology and thank goodness for that. And we should always be thinking about patient preferences, the conversation ongoing between patient and physician and indeed healthcare professional. Now, there are some other papers that we've uploaded to the CSF this month. There's the new EULAR definition of difficult to treat rheumatoid arthritis, which will form quite an important basis for designing future trials. This is a, a clinical group in whom we really are struggling, and I think trialing is going to be the way out of the problem. So have a look at that. It'll give you an idea of what at least... Uh, that consensus group decided was difficult to treat. See if you agree. Um, there are also two papers in psoriatic arthritis. Professor Marola looked at the efficacy of tofacitinib in improving dermatologic endpoints, and uh, Professor Mees reports data for uparacitinib in patients refractory to biologic treatment. And to view the publications uploaded this month in the wall chart, which summarizes the uh, JAK inhibitor points to consider, please just head across to cytokinesignaling.com. Uh, it, it's a tremendous resource and, and I really commend it to you. And as always, thanks to you for your attention. Thank you for uh, listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Let us know what you think by leaving a review. And as as always, I'm going to finish where I started, which is in wishing you every success as we traverse the last, hopefully, the last stage of this global pandemic and return our full focus and attention to the management of people with inflammatory arthritis and beyond. Thank you so much for your attention.